Today's Tuesday, August 27th, 2019, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast. The Ravens have some tough roster decisions to make with the final preseason game approaching. Mike Elias makes some tough cuts in the front office and scouting department. The Terps name their starting QB for week one versus Howard. And we got shitty fans, cocaine, and Rick Rolls in this week's Good, Bad, and Ugly. Stay tuned. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. BS. Yes. There's a whole lot of BS in that intro. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can tell you that. That was awful. <laughs> wow. What the hell happened I'll, there? I'll, I'll take the hit on that one because I had to grab my phone charger No, real that quick. was not on you. I normally hit that button. <laughs> but you know what? We were going through so much practice of hitting this button prior to the show because we changed some things up. We I did. Got off kilter. What's up, BSers? <laughs> Fred, Scott, and Brian, episode 111. Sure it's not episode one? <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like right now. I feel like an amateur. We've been doing this for a, a little while Those now. Pre, should, pre-show shots getting to you already, Fred. Good huh? Lord. Man, we got a lot to cover on the show. We got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, the Ravens, you know, we got a theme here going on with some uh, tough decisions, as you see here in the uh, title. The Ravens got some tough decisions ahead of them, man. Some some cuts they got to make here in the next, uh, next, really less than a week. Yeah, I mean, you got you got this last preseason game that you're going to be able to make, you know, some last minute calls, some judgment calls. I I, I fully expected to see some cuts. Prior to this game. Yeah, I guess that's with the change in the rules. They don't have to have the second wave of cutting now. It's just down to one cut, essentially. So they get a little bit more time to look at these guys. We'll get into it here in a little bit. Mike Elias with the Orioles makes some tough decisions and makes some of his first big cuts. So we're going to get into that here in a little bit. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting move. I'm excited to kind of talk about that, what my thoughts are. I'm actually really interested to get your thoughts on one thing with this, too. For sure. The Terps finally... Name their starting quarterback, and one guy didn't make the cut. Yeah, well, shit happens. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of shit, we got some shitty fans. <laughs> we got some shitty fans, some cocaine, and Rick Rolls in this week's Good, Bad, and Ugly. Should be a fun one. This is definitely going to be fun. But before we get into our ad read, yeah. we got to talk about the promotion in the building. That's right. We've had a, a, a bump in our staff here as IT Brian is no longer IT Brian. He's not IT. Brian is now Bartender Blake. Or is he like to call and himself Bartender Block A? Block A. Yep. <laughs> and you guys are going to regret this. I'm no. Re- no, I'm kidding. Not at all. <laughs> There's alcohol involved. I will not regret it. <laughs> and if you guys bit. look, Brian's area also got a nice upgrade makeover over there. Yeah. I got a pay increase. I got a nice desk now. Jesus, I'm going <laughs> to live here forever now. He's, gonna, he's, he's never going to leave that spot. Nope. My Sorry. wife's going to kill me because Brian's never you're, going to leave my house. Your, your wife, my wife, forget about it. <laughs> I'm never coming home. Yeah, well, I'm live here. You can see it. You you enjoying those new digs over there? Already? Oh, hell yeah. This is gorgeous. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate the upgrade. This is nice to feel appreciated. Good, good. Garnett, <laughs> what's up, man? Cabal, we see you out there. Zach, as everybody. Uh, Jess, who else? James, Steve. always in the building. Sherry, I'm sure you're out there. What's up, Steve? What's going on, everybody out there? All right. 
Before we dive too much into the Ravens, we do want to remind you if you're in the market to buy or sell a home and you want someone that's going to go to bat for you, call our guy John Scheffenacher over at Redfin. John's been in the business for four years now and has got is a yep and is dedicated <laughs> to getting you the best deal possible. He's always available to take your call anytime, day or night. For you Oriole fans out there, you probably remember him as the guy with the orange button down, the black tie, and the backwards hat. Make sure you give John a call today, 443-604-6298. This is not your best show. No, it's <laughs> not starting off well. No pressure, Scott. <laughs> as, you guys have, as you guys have heard me say time and time again, uh, John's a, straight, a great guy overall when it comes to buying or selling your home. He takes care of his clients when they need to be taken care of. Before the process starts, during the process, after the process, you've heard me talk about the client events. You've heard me talk about the pie, which is coming up here in a few months. I'm so excited. You know, I'm going to try and sway another pie out of them for, for us because you guys ain't getting the one that I'm getting. I'm just saying. Alcohol uh, and pie? Wow. Was yeah, good. alcohol and pie. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, it, he really good, takes care of you from a customer service standpoint. He goes above and beyond. It's really hard to find that in a realtor nowadays. There's very few realtors out there that actually go above and beyond like he does. So you want to make sure, like Fred said, if you're in the market to buy or sell your home, you're in the Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, PA area, reach out to John today. Eight, it's four four three six zero four six two nine eight. I'm scoring up because you screwed up. <laughs> Don't blame this on me. <laughs> it's John Sheffa at gmail.com. J O N S C H E F F A at gmail.com. And don't forget to let him know Burnland BS was the one that sent you. How about that? I got the button right. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, All right, man. it's time for some Ravens flock talk. What everybody wants to hear about. Everybody's getting excited. We're, we're... like people leave the room and then because we talked about Brian. I'm sorry, but <laughs> Jesus, man, <laughs> I know. Come back, yeah, come, come back. back. You won't have to see my mug anymore. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're, it's at that period right now. We've got the the meaningless game here. Well, I don't want to say meaningless. Meaningless for the starters. Uh, as John Harbaugh announced that none of the starters are going to be playing here. Uh, in this fourth preseason game, which is kind of to be expected. But I don't want to say meaningless because there's some guys here, and a lot of guys, in my opinion, that are on the bubble of whether they're going to make or break this team. And, uh, you know, a guy like Michael Pierce was in this situation just a couple of years ago, shined in the preseason week number four against the Saints and won his, his spot. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you look at this overall, you know, we're so used to, and you and I talked about this pre-show, I am so used to them going into week four of like, okay, it's the, it's the last you know spot or two that we're trying to, trying to decide and, and figure out what we want to do with and right. how, how Harbaugh wants to go. And this year, we don't see hardly any cuts to this point. We've got the last preseason game. We're expecting to see the starters maybe a little bit. Last week, you predicted the starters for a whole quarter and a half, yeah, I and we didn't see them at all. I mean, that's just been the kind of trajectory year in and year out, but with all the rule changes, you know, as far as there's only one round of cuts now, you get a longer sample size of some of these guys that are bubble guys or guys that are fighting for jobs maybe with for other teams. Uh, and then also these inter-squad scrimmages, you know, that they're doing. They've, they're participating more in those. They did two of them this year you get more time to evaluate your starters. You don't necessarily need to put them at risk in these preseason games. And I think that's what the Ravens are doing here is they're just protecting their guys. And I think you're seeing that across the NFL. Well, yeah, you know what you're doing. I mean, we saw Aaron Rodgers not, not compete this past right. week. You know, several big-name starters across the board. But it, when you look at it, this is, to me, this is 
you know, it's it's weird to say preseason most you know most meaningful game, but really it is. I mean, and this is the game that's make or break. You mentioned it. This is make or break for a lot of guys. Now it's not just the combination of the first two games and then the cut and then you know the last one. Now, what can you do full picture? If you didn't shine in the first two games, right? Can you shine in the last two games and way outshine everybody else? Well, I'll tell you a guy that shined in preseason week three against the Eagles, which they did end up winning and continued their streak of preseason success. It's now 16 games in a row as they win 26 to 15 in a rain shortened game. Yeah. But rain and lightning shortened game. Right. The guy that most impressed me in this game is a guy that people are debating whether he deserves a roster spot or not. And that's Trace McSorley in this game. I mean, he, he put up his best performance, whether it be practice, whether it be a game, this was definitely his best you know, foot forward at 19 to 28 for 203 yards, two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. I mean, the kid looked good. You got to, you got to figure out the fact that it's 26 points put up by this guy in a preseason game. Now there, there's still the argument out there. He's going against number twos, number right. threes, but look, if he's doing that against number twos with his, uh, you know, a few of his guys that are bubble number one guys, several that are number twos, it's one of those things you have to kind of look at it and say, I can't disregard that. The way he played in this game, his mobility, right. he was able to get out of the pocket, find holes when he needed him to, run the ball if he needed to. He fit this offense and what we expect it to be fairly well from as far as I'm concerned, and he threw the ball fairly well as well. Yeah, so the things that you kind of have to take from this game is you gotta, you got to temper the hype, which, you know, I've seen some people out there that, oh, you know, Trace McSorley should be starting. You know, he should be competing oh for Lamar. God. I mean, it's, some of these things are just ridiculous. And I know some people are just doing it for clickbait and that kind of thing. And then some people are saying, well, his value is so high right now. You trade him and that kind of. Listen, it was a couple of weeks. Or it was a couple of quarters. I'm sorry. In a preseason game. Right. I liked what I saw. It's It was much better than what I saw in preseason training camp. Because I'll tell you what. The couple of practices that we went to in training camp, I was not impressed at all at what I saw. As a matter of fact, I'd said at one point, just watching him in those couple practices, I didn't think he was an NFL caliber quarterback at all. But then there's the other end of the spectrum. There's other people out there that don't think that he's going to make the team and that he should be cut and that his roster spot isn't, you know, shouldn't be held up for a third quarterback and that kind of thing. Here's the thing that you got to keep in mind. The Ravens are not a team to waste draft picks. Whether it's a first-round pick, whether it's a sixth-round pick, doesn't matter. This guy was a draft pick. He was a sixth-round pick. They're not going to turn the card in on this guy and cut him without at least giving this guy a chance. Mind you, going into this draft, they did not draft him to be QB number three because they already had RG3 locked up as the backup quarterback. Yeah. They invested two years into RG3. They did not draft him with the mindset of him being primarily a QB3. They drafted him because of his athletic ability to be able to use him in ultimately in a multiple multitude of different ways. Right, and we talked about this. We've talked about this at, at nauseum about the, we expected this to be the Ravens version of the Saints' Taysom Hill. We expected yes. that to be the case. But to your point, the way he's played, and, and the reason I think I'm not going to defend the people that are saying the starter thing, because that's absolutely absurd. Yeah. But the whole piece of why, and Harbaugh said it, he deserves a spot on this team. Right, but the thing is, what I was trying to get at is he hasn't even been able to get to show and to give the team the ability to see 
what he was drafted for because RG3 went down with okay, the injury. I see so he's been forced more into quarterback role. But in that quarterback role, let's look at this. This isn't just a fluke. We've now seen three weeks of Trace McSorley behind center. Right, and that's, and that's what I'm saying. So he's built his value higher than I think the Ravens expected this early on just as a QB. But that wasn't the premise of why he was drafted. He was drafted to be a multifaceted guy, to be able to be a special teamers, to be able to contribute as a third-string quarter, an emergency quarterback, if need be. But I think now he's really shown to the Ravens and shown to the world out there, to other NFL teams, that he can be an NFL-caliber quarterback. So let me ask you this then. If you, we're talking about he can he can do this job mm-hmm. he he can he's a, he is a more than serviceable quarterback at this point from what we've seen, but as far as him versus RG three, mm-hmm. right? There are some people calling and saying, "Well, trade one of them," right? And there's some people that are on the camp of trade RG three. You get, you keep McSorley; he's a solid quarterback. I'm in the camp personally. I like McSorley. Mm-hmm. But his his return right now, it can only go down. I mean, yes, it can go up long term, but if you trade him between now and Thursday, it's only going up. Until yeah. he throws another ball, until he throws another major interception, it's the Kare Vedvik situation. Look what happened with no, him. This- I, I agree with that. I don't think the Ravens are going to ultimately trade either one. I don't think RG3 so either if you trace. are. I'm saying that's but what I, I would think, do. But I think if you were going to trade anybody and the right offer came in for an RG3, I would be much more comfortable now with that trade than I would have been three, four weeks ago when I was not okay. high on Trace McSorley. Okay. I don't think right now is the time to give up on Trace McSorley as far as a trade goes because you just don't know what his ceiling's going to be. And when you have a running-style quarterback like a Lamar Jackson, there is always, obviously, that risk of somebody getting hurt. So you have to have a legit starter behind him, which RG3 is. But if you've got a team that's willing to give you a third- or fourth-round pick for an RG3, you take that. Right, well, and see... you. You say that RG three is you know a starter, and we got that you know Brian over here chiming in on the group. He says that he's past his prime and he's only a backup. Yeah. I got hold on. We gotta we gotta let you defend this. You're ta- you're telling everybody this on social media. I honestly think he is. I think he's a backup quarterback only. <clears throat> the man can't stay healthy. When was the last time he was able to have a full season? Now, maybe. Just maybe he could prove me wrong. But I honestly think he's a backup quarterback only. And I think he likes that role, too. I think he loves being a tutor, showing Lamar the way, saying, hey, look, dude, you got to slide. You can't take unnecessary hits. Look what I went through when I was with the Redskins, who totally destroyed his career. Let's face facts. But he, I just don't think he, he can stay healthy. Maybe the Colts may look at him as a desperate type of dra- or desperate pick, but... I, I just honestly think he's he's a backup quarterback only, maybe a serviceable starting quarterback after uh, you know somebody gets hurt. But guys, I just don't think he's got it anymore. I think RG three is one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. I would put him in the top five, top three as far I would as backup three, period, three. Now I do think that at some point he will go after a starting quarterback job somewhere in this league just because there's so few and far in between that are successful. And he has proven 
early on in his career that he can be a successful quarterback. And he's also proven since he's been here that he's learned from his past mistakes. He's taking less hits. He's running mm -hmm. out of bounds. He's sliding. He's doing all the things that he should have done and should have been taught early on in his career. And obviously learning more on the job and being more mature. Those are all things that benefit him. I, like I said, I love having RG three as a second option, especially in Without this, in this style offense. But I don't think the Colts will necessarily come and calling because I do think that they're higher on Jacoby Brissett yes, than so people agreed. outside of the organization are. Maybe other teams looking in aren't really high on Jacoby Brissett, but I think the Colts organization as a whole is high on well, him. You heard that last year out of, out of them too, as well as out of that camp, is that they were high on this kid and that he was going to be, you know, he could have the potential to be their quarterback of the future. Right. So they're not going to, you know, now that with, with luck stepping away, that's one of those things. I don't think they're trading. If they're trading for somebody, it's it's another semi serviceable quarterback, you know, type situation that, that's gonna gonna get the call to be able to be there. But he he's I don't know. So let's talk about this, right? We've got the fifty three man cut down coming up, and there's a lot of important decisions that have to be made. Being that we're on the quarterback, let's talk about this. Ultimately, Scott, and I'll let you start with this. What do you think the Ravens do? Do you think that they carry two quarterbacks and try to sneak Trace McSorley on the practice squad, or do you think they carry all three? I think at this point they carry all three because we have to remember that Trace was working out on special teams prior uh, to RG3 going down. We right. saw that you know, a little bit when we went to training camp. He was working out with them. Mm -hmm. uh, so we definitely see the potential there for him. I think the gadget play ability with him that that once RG3 comes back, if you have no intentions of getting R, getting rid of RG3 and you're planning on keeping him like I think they will, uh, I think he becomes he becomes a plug and play to a to B situation with with RG3. Right. Because if either one of them goes down, it depends on what type of offense you want to run against that that team if Lamar goes down. And so. I agree. I ultimately I think they end up carrying the three quarterbacks as well. One you can't kid yourself. You're not going to hide him on the practice squad. Somebody else will claim him because he's shown his value at this right. point. Somebody else will pick up on him and the Ravens are smart enough not to risk that or have that happen. Two, again, I do think that Trace is going to contribute in multiple ways, especially when you have an RG3. Do I think he's going to dress every week? No. But do I think he'll be on the 53-man roster? Absolutely. And it'll be situational depending upon who we're playing against? Absolutely. Now, here's the other thing. Everything that the Ravens have done so far, offensively and defensively in the preseason, has been about as vanilla as vanilla can be, right? So there's still a lot of things that we haven't seen out of Trace McSorley that I can almost guarantee you they're going to use and implement during the regular season. So there's a lot of things that he can bring in value to this team because of his athletic ability. So I do think ultimately, even though there's going to have to be some robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, as far as keeping a third quarterback, one of the other positions may be a little thinner because I think they see the value in what Trace can bring. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it just uh, it definitely makes sense. You know, kind of staying on the offensive side of the ball, we saw two guys kind of battling it out uh, this week in Michael Floyd and Julio Scott. Uh, both having good games in this game, yeah. um, you know, when they were on the field. So being able to kind of see that that battle, where do you see them them working with the wide receivers? Do you see them going five like we originally anticipated, or do you see them, them 
taking something, uh, I don't know, from the depth on defense and going six. I ultimately think this team ends up carrying six wide receivers. Really? Okay. Uh, I do, and I think where they're going to rob that might be in the return game. Uh, you know, we've got obviously a couple of guys that are some special team specialists, right? We brought in Cyrus Jones, which obviously his role has expanded now because of the injury of right, Tavon Young, right? We got a guy like um, Bethel, who was Justin brought Bethel, yeah. Justin Bethel, who was brought in really as a special team specialist. Yeah, um, you know he is a cornerback by position, but he's going to be last on the depth chart as far as that goes. So there might be some shifting around there. But at wide receiver, to your point, Michael Floyd has really upped his value and upped his game over the last couple of weeks. I thought from the beginning Michael Floyd was just a camp body. I really thought that they were just bringing him in. I didn't think he had any kind of shot at making this roster. But over the last couple of weeks, and specifically in this last play, uh, preseason game, he played really, really well. He's got the size. He's got the ability to catch the football. There's a lot to like about him, especially in red zone situations. But I see a lot of those same traits in Jaleel Scott. And Jaleel Scott being a younger guy who has made leaps and bound improvements from where he was last year to this year. I think it's going to be a bubble between those two as to which one makes the roster. I think the Ravens end up going with Jaleel, and I think Michael Floyd is the odd man out. So if I had to pick my six guides, Willie Sneed, Hollywood Brown, Miles Boykin, I think Chris Moore. I do think Roberts makes the team, even though he hasn't been playing a lot this last couple of weeks because of the injury. I think he's shown his value and what he can bring. And then a guy like Scott. I don't think Floyd or Wesley make the team. As, as impressed as I was with Wesley in the beginning, it was more so in shorts and just a jersey with no pads on. Once he put the pads on, slowed down. he slowed down a lot. There yeah. wasn't the separation. He's still got good hands. I think he's a capable wide receiver, but looking at some of the other guys, I like their potential better. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think for me, what I've seen out of Roberts, I agree. I, I guess my concern is is the injury. Does he re-injure it? Does it become does it become a problem? You know, because then you have a risk. And with a guy that's a little bit more unproven, mm. like him, to be able to substitute and go, okay, Sneed, Brown, Boykin, Moore, uh, Scott, and Floyd. If you're going six, if you're going if you're going with five, I think it's Sneed, Brown, Boykin, Moore. And Scott, I agree with you on there. I, I think right. I think Floyd, to me, with Floyd, the fact that it takes a veteran of his cal of his former caliber, all of training camp and two and a half preseason games to really kind of get up to speed and up to par of where we would even expect him to be close to to being. Right. That tells you something about him. He he's past his prime. He's a guy that you're not going to be able to be reliable on. Come the, the postseason, it's right. not going to happen. You're, you're either going to wear him down, and he's just not going to have it, or he's just not going to have it because he's getting old, period. Right. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of different ways that they can go with wide receiver. I just think that that's ultimately going to be the amount that they carry. I think they're going to carry six from a depth perspective. I do think that they try to put Ant, uh, Wesley on the practice squad, but somebody else may pick him up just because he has shown promise. Um, like I said, it's it's more so the speed and not getting the separation that concerns me with Wesley. Yeah, I would agree there. I would agree. So at running back, 
Uh, running backs are kind of, for me, it's kind of clear cut. We got four guys that are competing here. Do they carry three? Do they carry four? I think ultimately I know the here, answer. yeah, ultimately <laughs> here, I think they end up going three. Uh, there are some teams out there that are going to need some running back help. So I think one of these guys in particular could be shopped to see what they could get for him. And at this point, if you can get anything for him, I'm all for it. So, I mean, obviously the three guys that are going to end up making this roster, Ingram, Edwards, and no. Hill, they're not going to give up on a draft pick. And Hill just showed way too much potential. He's looked great yeah. in the preseason. The odd man out is obviously Kenneth Dixon, and we've talked about it at nauseum. The issues with him is, is obviously staying healthy, uh, his ability to hang on to the football. So that's the biggest concern I have with Kenneth Dixon. If another team comes knocking like the Houston Texans, who just lost Lamar Miller for the year, if you can get anything, sixth round, fifth round, at this point, you give it up just because he's not going to be a part of this well, roster. But if you're, I, I guess if you're in that situation, I mean, you got to look at the Ravens. If you're really that up, uh, you know, up for a guy like Dixon, wait what six days five days i guess is when the cut is right so i mean you really you can get away with doing it i don't know how much shopping that's one thing i think is going to be interesting about this is to see after this last preseason game how much shopping there is in the nfl because right. i think you're going to see a huge massive decline in the shopping that's happening because guys are just going to go okay well we're just going to wait we'll see who you cut and then we'll make our decision somebody's going to make the wrong cut somewhere as far as the, as far as a certain team's concerned. Right. And then they're going to jump on it. That's the way that they're going to look at it. They're going to go to that guy. They're going to offer him what, what he's, you know, anticipating or wanting or whatever and, and get what they want. Right. They're not going to have to really give up anything outside of the salary at that point. So to me, I, I think when you look at this overall, the way that it's set up. Yeah, I agree with you. Ingram Edwards Hill, Dixon, I think he gets put on the practice squad, but somebody, somebody's going to scoop him oh, up. Oh, he's not going on practice squad. He would be scooped up. He'll just either yeah. be cut or he'll be traded if, if, he's, gonna, if he's not going to be a part of this team. So let's switch sides. Let's go over to the defensive side of the football. Uh, cornerback was a position of depth, and it, it still is a position of depth. Uh, obviously, the, again, we lost Tavon Young, which hurts us in that nickel corner, in that slot corner position. Uh, puts some guys that I thought might have been off this roster on the roster, at least in competition. So here's a position where they could possibly carry six, maybe seven at most guys. Right. The guys that are going to be most obvious to make the roster, Humphrey, Smith, Carr, Averett. Jones, I think, is a lock at this point to make it just because Obviously, Harbaugh has been really high on him and given him as much playing time at this you know slot position as possible right. he, since Tavon Young's come down. We expected that after after what they talked about. Exactly, uh, and then Canada. I've I've always been high on Canada, but he has really kind of been disappointing over these last couple of weeks. Uh, hasn't been good in coverage as he has in the past. Hasn't looked good at the slot, which is where I thought he might excel. Uh, so I'm kind of on the fence about candidate. And then obviously we talked about it earlier. They bring in a guy like Justin Bethel, who is mainly a special teamers, but he's got to have a position assignment and his position assignment would be cornerback. So those are the six guys or, well, I, I guess seven guys that would be in competition for it. And then today they signed Fish Smithson. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a misprint. <laughs> that is right. Fish Smithson camp body. This I was going to right say it's got a, it, yeah. it, it's a camp body. It, it's maybe he makes the the, the practice squad. Maybe 
if they have some when intention. When I saw it on like Twitter, I had to make sure that it came from the Ravens website, that it wasn't like somebody trolling and did like <laughs> Gordon's Fisherman at, style. At, at Ravens exclamation mark tweeted that the Ravens signed Fish Smithson. I was like, who the hell is this dude? Is this real? Yeah, it was real. It's real. For it's sure. real. All right. But yeah, his, his, uh, his, Time with the Ravens is going to be real short. Yeah, I agree. Six cornerbacks is the way to go here. I think it, it makes yeah. sense from what from the the standpoint of where you're going to have the depth. That it's you're not going to take the depth at cornerback. We already know we're deep enough there that you can you can kind of afford so, that position to another one. Let's if, if you're carrying six, who's your odd man out? You know that Humphrey, Smith, Carr, Averett are all pretty much locks. So then you've got Averett. You've got I'm sorry. You got Jones, Bethel, and Canaday. Out of those three to get two. You're not going to like my answer. Who's that? Canada. Canada's the guy out. Canada's the guy out. Canada's the guy that I don't know that he bring. He brings okay to the table. When I say that, I mean he's not. He's not a blow. You know, he doesn't have blow by you speed to to be able to to use him on special teams really well as a gunner. Uh, you know, as far as in the defense, he can do okay in coverage. He's he's serviceable, but I think yeah. there's better options there. Um, Cyrus Jones. Played decent this week. When we saw him at the cornerback position, I just can't say that Canada has it over over him. And I think you bring a little bit too much more with Jones and Bethel than you do Canada. So I think that goes there. If it's me, I'm thinking Bethel's the odd man out. And the only reason I say really? that, I, I, I can't see them carrying two special teams guys. Like, yes, okay. Cyrus is going to contribute more in, obviously, the, the slot corner and the nickel position now. So that pretty much guarantees him a slot. So at that point, it's if you're narrowing it down to one guy out of two, Canada, I think, brings more value to the position itself than Bethel does. And I think they might go with a combination of Cyrus Jones and Chris Moore in the return game. We'll see. Time, time will tell. Let, let's stick with, keep sticking with the defense. Let's talk about the inside linebackers. So the inside linebackers, it was, you know, are they going to go three? Are they going to go four? You know, the guys that, that are out there, we know Peanut. We know Peanut's, you know, kind of been, the, they've said he's going to be the leader on this defense. He's going to be the, the Mike man. Right. Um, you got the guy, Chris Board, playing amazing. Yeah, he's playing really good. Uh, then you have, yeah, he's a little bit of a question mark behind him right now. Then you have Young, yep. Kenny Young. And then, then you got, the guy that kind of surprised everybody over the past two weeks in Alaka. Right. And then this week they go out and this was a weird situation. I, so I, I got to bring it up because we're talking about inside linebacker. They go out, and they sign Paul Warlow, mm -hmm. which I think he previously played with the Eagles. Subsequently, he retires. Yeah. This didn't come up in conversation. I don't know. I, I mean, apparently he's got some personal stuff going on. His wife is pregnant and having complications or something. I, I don't really know the entire story behind it, but it was a weird situation. So, I, look, but li I, life comes first, regardless of no. what happened. And, and, you know, he obviously agreed to the contract and then something happened. And, and, you know, his personal business can stay his personal business, whatever it is. But. He signed the contract and wanted to play here, so I don't think it had anything to do with being a Raven or being in Baltimore or anything like that. I legitimately think something went wrong, either with his wife or with complications or something, and he decided to put football on the back burner for now and handle home life. There's no He didn't retire, so he could still come back and sign with another team at any given time. He could even come back and sign with the Ravens. I think right. regardless of what happened there, I think the bigger... The bigger story to this is that I think the Ravens aren't happy with the depth that they have 
right. at inside linebacker. And I think that this could be a position, depending upon cutdowns, where we see somebody get brought do, in. Do you think that signing was the result of the Chris Board injury? Depends. I mean, Chris Board, it's, it's a concussion, so you never kind of know where that's going to be. It right. could be something you're out for a couple of days. It could be something that lingers on for weeks and weeks. So you don't know. I don't know the severity of it. But I don't think that they're completely happy with the depth they had. And Warlow, granted, he's not a great inside linebacker, but he's he's a veteran. He's been around for a few years. He's so played in a so couple different well. systems. Exactly. I'm high on this kid a lot. I, I've liked everything that I've seen out of this kid. I think that they should carry four inside linebackers, and wow, I think really? okay. all four of those guys should make the roster. Again, another guy that I just do not see if you put him on the practice squad making it there. I feel like somebody else will claim him. So Okay, so you – all right, so hang on a second, because you went six wides. Mm. You went three running backs, which we expected. Yep. You went six cornerbacks. Yep. You're going four inside linebackers. Right. So I took two away at running back and cornerback and added two in wide receiver and linebacker. Okay. So then what are you doing about outside linebacker? Outside linebacker, this is where I think they end up cutting down. Because okay. right, right now... I got I to sit back and listen to this, Brian. <laughs> uh, right, here we go. Right now, nobody, and I don't think the staff or anybody, is happy with the pass rush, right? So there's some guys, obviously, that are going to be locks to make this roster. Matt Judon, Pernell McPhee, Tim, uh, Jalen Ferguson. Those are all three guys that are locks to make the roster. Do they carry five outside linebackers? I don't think... I think they will to start the year, but I don't think that the five that they end up keeping will ultimately be the five that finish the year. I okay. think Shane Ray... In order for him to make this roster, he better have a huge game in this preseason week four because right now he's last on the death chart. As as regardless of where he was as a draft pick, because he was he was a first round draft pick for Denver a few years ago. Denver gave up okay. on him for a reason. Right. Yeah, there's a reason behind why they why they gave up. Okay, so you, you you say Ray. We got Rory on uh Facebook says, Do you think Tim Williams will have a breakout year? So you and you haven't mentioned his name out. Where do you where does Williams fit into this? I do think Tim Williams makes the roster, and I think that he does have a breakout year because in years past, he really hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity. I think this will be the year of nothing but opportunity for a guy like him and Tyus Bowser. Again, I know a lot of people are, are concerned because they haven't seen a whole lot of pass rush ability in the preseason, but temper that. And even, even uh, um, oh my God, defensive coordinator, slipped my mind. Um, <laughs> Wink? Yeah, Wink Martindale <laughs> said in a press conference the other day that their defensive schemes have been super vanilla. Super vanilla. So, and he's excited about getting into week one and getting into the regular season games where he can kind of change up formations and change up packages and, and disguise things like he always does. You haven't seen any of that in the preseason. So the lack of pass rush, albeit it's concerning, it's going to look different once we get into the season. And I think a guy like Tim Williams, with the speed that he has to get around the edge, could do well in that situation. Do I think he's great? Against the run, no. But I do think situationally, as a pass rush, you know, I guess expert or you know specialist, right. I think he can excel in that role, and I think he will this year. Okay, All right, Tyus Bowser, enough. Tyus Bowser for me, albeit he's done good last preseason game in the last couple of weeks. I think he's he's the guy I'm most concerned about. This is the guy we spent a second round draft pick on. Mm -hmm. You know, and we haven't seen any production out of him, or at least the production we would expect from a second round pick. Ravens have not been good historically with second round picks. 
this is one that concerns me. This is a guy I think makes the roster because he has shown some flashes so far and he has shown some improvement. But I think that I have a bigger concern with Bowser than I do with Tim Williams. Really? Okay. Okay. I see. I to me, Tim Williams has been so up and down. I, I wish he has a breakout year, but he's been so up and down. We saw him last year mm. during training camp, and you and I were like, "He looks good." Then during preseason. Where the hell's Tim Williams? This isn't the Tim Williams we were watching in training camp. And then this year, it's kind of the opposite. We went to training camp when Tim Williams is not looking well this year. Right. He shows up in preseason. So to me, that's that's the one big thing about him is who the hell am I going to get? Right. Am I going to get Tim Williams from last year? Am I going to get Tim Williams that we've seen so far this year? What's going to happen? Because last year, he was going against number ones. Right. And he was struggling even in training camp. Wasn't to the point that it wasn't preseason, but... Yeah, but you also got to remember, this roster had Terrell Suggs and Zadarius Smith still ahead of him. Those guys are gone. But Terrell Suggs, we talked about this. Terrell Suggs, they were pulling him off the field so that they could utilize him and give him breathers. No, I get that. But that's still two bodies that were ahead of him on the depth chart and cutting into his snaps and cutting into the rotations for him. I just think he will have more opportunities. Do I think he has the potential to be a double-digit sack guy? No. But if I, th- I think if you can get four to six sacks out of Tim Williams this year, I think that that's a marked improvement because I think the majority of your sacks and your pass rush are going to come from Judon and Pernell McPhee. They are going to move Pernell McPhee all over the field to get pressure on the quarterback, and I think that's where the majority. Okay, of let me ask you. From. Let me ask you because we're talking about Tim Williams for a second. I'm going to throw yeah. a hypothetical at you. Last year, Tim Williams starts showing serious potential mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Every time he's in, he's lighting the world on fire. Is this hypothetical? Or you're saying he was. I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying hypothetical. Okay. Not, he definitely wasn't. Okay, I was going to say. I don't know where this is going. He sets the world on fire. Does a guy like Sizzle step step aside a little bit more and be more of the vocal sideline leader and say, this guy's got it, get him. He needs to be in there before me. Because my, my here's my thought process behind this. If Tim Williams had that potential, last year was the year that you go and you say, you know, to use the, the old wrestling a- an analogy, you grab the brass ring. Last year was his chance. Last year was his chance to go, I'm better than Sizzle. And he couldn't do it. Right, he couldn't do it, and so that's my point. Is Tim Williams is a guy? He's such a bubble guy right now. I don't know. I I I don't know that he's he's a better option than a guy like Tyus Bowser. I'm I, just so I'm not a hundred percent sold on Tim Williams. Again, I think that he needs the opportunity to be able to show that he can either sink or swim. He's going to be able to do one or the other, and I don't think he's had that full blown opportunity. Do I think that the Ravens will address pass rush with some of the cuts and potentially trades? I absolutely do. The Ravens still have a good amount of cap space. I want to say they have somewhere in the neighborhood of $13 million. Something like that, I think, is the last In cap space right now. There's a reason for that. That's a security blanket that they're hanging on to in case of injury one, but in case that they feel like after camp they or after preseason cuts that they need to add or if they need to make a trade to add to that. So I'm just saying, I think as the roster is constructed right now, Tim Williams makes the roster unless they add somebody else. Then it's between Tim Williams and Tyus Bowser, whether or not one of them goes or stays. So they'll, right. they'll kind of ultimately decide that. 
I think one of the, the for me, one of the, I guess, battles or one of the things I've been watching is for years and years now, the Ravens have been super successful with undrafted free agents. Every yes. single year, there's at least one that ends up making the roster. And you start going through some of these names and you start wondering, well, this guy might not make it. He showed potential. To for you, who is the undrafted guy or do they not? Have any undrafted guys that make the roster this year? There's some names out there. We talked about there one. There are. We both we're are high. We talked about two so far. We're we, both a high on Alaka. We've got Wesley. We got Wesley, the wide receiver. You got Willis, who really hasn't shown a lot at all. At all. And there was a lot of hype behind him. Well, we talked about this uh, on a previous show about the fact that, you know, there was all that hype behind him. And now we're starting to potentially see, in some people's opinion, mine included, why he fell down that draft board and didn't get drafted. Yeah. There was at one point where they were talking about Willis being a third round, fourth round guy. Right. And he fell and fell and fell. I think we know why. I think somebody found the hole in his game and he knows it. He's he just can't get over it. Yeah, I, I don't think Willis makes this roster. I think he is a guy that obviously if he made it through seven rounds of the NFL draft and hasn't shown any flashes so far in the preseason, he is a guy that's a potential for a practice squad because I don't know if there's another team out there that'll claim him. We can talk all the hype that we want that all the draft, quote-unquote, draft experts out there had him ranked as a third or fourth round pick. He went through seven rounds of the NFL draft and didn't get yeah. drafted. I mean, that's what, that tells you something. And then you see that in trade. You see it in training camp. You see it in preseason that this guy is not living up to the hype that you're even expecting. Right. You went out and got him. Yes, he's undrafted. But you went out and got him because you thought he had the tools to be able to, to, to work in the NFL. And we're not seeing that. It's one of those things. It makes you kind of go, well, there's the reason that he fell. And there's a reason that some of these guys, when they fall... There's there's not just it's not just the draft pundits were completely wrong. These teams see things and they say we're not going to respond to it. We're going to go ahead and, and, and go on. One thing I got to talk about before we move on, because uh, I brought his name up earlier. Kari Vedvik, we talked about him with that trade mm. and the fact that, you know, his value was never higher. And I, I was, you know, you can go back and you watch, you watch it. You can quote me. I said the second he misses a kick, value drops. Yep. What happens Missed in this last preseason game? He misses two. Yep. So my question to you is, and I know the answer, did they cash in at the right time? Absolutely. I said that before he ever missed a kick. I, I, to your point, and I 100% agreed with you, was that his value was never going to be higher than it was at that point. The Ravens got a fifth-round pick for a guy, for a kicker. I mean, yeah. kickers hardly ever get drafted. There are a few like Sebastian Janikowski and a few other names out there that have been drafted. Uh, one guy in Tampa Bay got drafted in like the second round. That didn't work out very yeah, well no, for them. Work out I don't all. even think he's in the NFL anymore. So it doesn't happen very often. So to be able to trade a kicker who hasn't proven anything in the NFL yet other than making a few decent preseason kicks – to be able well, to get him for a fifth round pick, who was the, you're uh, not going to get much. You know, kind of, kind of thinking along the same lines. Who was the guy, the young kid in Pittsburgh that he was the? Oh, this kid's got a leg. He's a boomer. He can kill it. He can do. It. No and problem. then he, what do they do? They wind up like three weeks after he after he misses a field goal, he misses two more to the follow each of the following weeks, and they say, "See ya, adios." Yep. 
And, yeah. you know, we could see the same thing with Kari Vedvik here. My, here's my question to you. Kari Vedvik gets dropped. Do the Ravens pick him up on a practice squad? No, because I think if he gets dropped, I think another team picks him up on, you really, the, on really? the roster. Yeah, because th- there's two things that he can do, right? He's multifaceted. He's right. a punter and he's a kicker. Just because he shit the bed as a kicker in Minnesota doesn't mean he can't pick it up as a punter somewhere else for a team that's looking for the value, you know, value in a punter. Uh, so I don't think the Ravens go back down that road. But just really quick, because I didn't get to put this out there because we were talking about it, the, the, yeah. un- the undrafted guys. For me, I think there's two. I think there's ultimately going to be two undrafted guys that make this roster. I know where you're going with this. Alaka is going to be your guy that makes the roster on the defensive side of the football. We talked about it. I don't think Antoine Wesley makes it just because he hasn't shown anything since the pads have come on. Good enough. Gerald Willis, I think, is another practice squad candidate. But Patrick McCarry on the offensive line, he has shown some some really, really good play from a guy that I had no expectations for. Well, and it's an it's a position that you need a little bit of depth at. Right. And a little bit of you know, guys that you can plug and play if somebody goes down, things like that. So I, I was right there along the same lines with you. It's it's a lock and Macari for me along the same lines as far as undrafted guys. So I think two ultimately make the roster. All right, Scott, it's time for the liquor stop brew of the week. What do we got drinking today? What, what are we are drinking? We, what are we drinking? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, man. To answer Jessica's answer earlier, uh, the bartender, bartender Brian over there is a little heavy handed. <laughs> yeah. You uh, go a little light on that. Next he has time. got, if you want to, if you want to keep it up there for us, uh, he has got this week's uh, brew of the week comes from Bull and Goat Brewery. Uh, it's a nano brewery that's actually based out of Centerville, Maryland. Um, and for this, this is their 67. IPA. It looks like it says 670 on the can, but the marketing is like the handle of the the seven. It's 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 interesting. Um, yeah, bad marketing. Yeah, it's kind of bad Amen marketing. To that. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, according to them, this beer is best paired with a second helping. It's mashed for 67 minutes. It has 67 IBUs, 6.7 ABV. ABV. Uh, and I think on the can it also is SRM. I don't know what that is, but that's also 6.7. So whatever that is, it's all 6.7. No it's all 6.7. Uh, as they say, it's literally perfectly balanced, hopped with only citrus several times throughout the brewing process. Uh, and for this one, it has like a pine and grapefruit. And I can, t- I can taste like there is a – this is a weird word to use, but it's, it's a good way to describe the pine taste that you, you kind of taste. It's, it's got like a musky, like a little bit stronger musky taste to it, but you can also taste the citrus from the grapefruit. So you kind of get both of those, uh, and for it's them, definitely good. Yeah, it, it's it's got a smooth finish for an IPA. Yeah. It's got a smooth finish. It does always have the bite, just like a normal IPA, but it's got a pretty smooth finish. So make sure you get out to Liquor Stop. Hold on one second. So just so that the bartender informs you guys what SRM is, it's the standard reference method. Uh, is the color system used for brewers to specify? Finish beer and malt color. I still there have no go. idea what that means. <laughs> I'm looking at Google. That's why. I'm but I'll tell you up. what. Go ask our guy Jerry. Maybe he can tell you a little bit more about it. <laughs> tell him Birdland BS sent you. Get your ten percent off. All right, man. It's time for some bros, bows, and o's. Yeah, man. This week, this week we've seen a, a lot going on. Uh, we see them in the Kansas City series, all the home series. They split the series two to one. That's not a split. Or not? Well, they they win the series. <laughs> that's, whatever. Uh, yeah, that's they win, win the series. 
It's a, it's a two to one split. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they Shut win up. the KC series two games to one, and then, and they then split, split with Tampa the Bay. Four games with Tampa Bay. There you, there go. you go. There we go. <laughs> Ultimately, um, I mean, that's a pretty darn good homestand, considering how well or how bad this team has been playing. To win four out of seven, I'll take it. And to take, you know, we talked about it last week. It's almost as if they hurt us with the. Uh, They've out, been outscored by their opponents because yeah. what did they do this week? They win over the weekend. They went on Saturday seven to one, and then eight to three on Sunday. Yeah, I mean the bats heated up at the right time. The pitching did really well in this series. You know, John Means ended up carrying a two hitter into the fifth before letting up a big home run. But they, you know, that's the thing with Means is he's done really, really well for about five, six innings, and then that's where you start to see him hit that wall when he gets through the lineup for that third time. Yeah, he did recover from that home run. Well, I will say that he he winds up going six in that game. Uh, but that home run, I was actually there for that game. Uh, I was actually there. So I was there Wednesday. I was there Thursday. I was there Saturday. Uh, my parents were and my son were actually there on Sunday. Um, but one guy that's been heating up uh, was a guy that actually three of the four games that my son went to this past week. Mm-hmm. This guy threw him a ball. Anthony Santander. Santander, I said that right. I'm not stu- I'm not stuttering my words. Santander, uh, he he goes five for five on Sunday. Well, he needed it, yeah, because he was hitting like crap prior to that game. It's five for forty nine in his last twelve games before that, so he needed to break out. He, he needed way. to break out this week, this weekend, and he did. He hit a home run on Saturday while we were there. Uh, he also hit a home run while we were there on uh, I think it was Wednesday. I went with my dad on Wednesday. I actually, so here's the thing that. I my timing is really bad, and I'm gonna I'm gonna blame I'm gonna blame Joe Carlozo for this timing. Carlozo, yes, there you <laughs> there go. You go. Hey, 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 that's a shot, bartender. <laughs> I'll pour one. Don't worry. Uh, but so Joe went and got our kids some Dippin' Dots. Love Dippin' Dots. It's so good. I'm well, old enough up, to remember when they came out. He comes back. He comes back with one spoon. Somehow he supposedly had three, but he dropped two. Oh, so you guys had the lady and tramp it. Yeah. Well, he goes back up and we give he gave Wyatt the spoon. We gave it to his daughter to say, oh, no, she can eat it. Wyatt's fine. He goes up and gets the spoon, comes back. In the meantime, his daughter drops the spoon on the ground. Oh, no. <laughs> I got to go up and get a spoon when Joe comes back. I go up. I grab some spoons as I'm coming down. You can actually see me on the hey. video replay. I am coming down the steps, and Anthony Santander's home run hits a seat behind mine. If I was sitting there, I would have caught it. Why blame you? No, I blame Joe. If he would have grabbed more spoons, I wouldn't have had to go up for another one. I blame you for not parenting better. (laughs) You got to do the parent thing, right? You pick up the spoon off the ground. You put it in your mouth. You lick off all the germs. You take the germs for the kid. It was his daughter. Well, then you put it in Joe's mouth, and then... Oh, geez, that's terrible. No, you don't put it in Joe's mouth. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, oh, anyway, Santander, great, great weekend uh, for him. Pedro Severino <laughs> hits a grand slam this weekend. Beautiful. What's funny about this story? I haven't told you this. I want to get your initial reaction. That grand slam, my dad and I were literally sitting there calling for him to bunt because it was two outs. The third baseman's playing back. The entire infield's playing back. We're like, bunt. You have Hazar Alberto on third. He's getting a lead like crazy because he's not being held. Right. Bunt the ball and play some ball. And then he hits a grand slam. 
Like, I like geez. it. Look, Pedro Severino for me has been a huge surprise. I mean, he's he's still hitting around like the two fifty mark, but I mean, his power has been something that completely took me by surprise because he yeah. hasn't really. I think he's hit as many home runs this year as he's hit in his entire career combined. Uh, so he's done really, really there, I well. I, he's hit like 11 home runs. I think I'm pretty sure he had 11 home runs in his career. So it's a pretty interesting stat with this guy. But, you know, the, the, for me, do you think any of these offensive numbers had anything to do with these pretty awesome uniforms they were wearing this weekend? <laughs> You're gonna go I thought they uniforms. were kind of cool. All right, so Brian does not look like he was a fan of the uniforms. <laughs> they were horrible. You didn't like them? The whole white ones. You couldn't the white even, ones, no. They were horrific. The white ones were awful, but the, the all black? They were okay. I, mean, I really, really dug them. I, it, they, they were nice, but Jesus, I don't understand what the hell they came up with those all white ones. I'm sorry, that's what ruined it for me. Yeah. I mean, yes, the all black ones, they were okay. But Jesus Christ, who came up with the all white ones? You can't even see the numbers. You can't even see what the players' uh, nicknames were. Yeah. It was like... What the hell? One person who I was talking to was like, "Was this like a prison type of situation? Is this like, <laughs> like are they playing prison that. baseball? <laughs> like, what the hell's going on here?" I'm I, like, "Yeah, good point. It kind of looks like that. I mean, it was cool. I, I understand they're all about the fans for this, but Jesus, you got to come up with better uniforms than this. I mean, this just looks like somebody came up well, with no idea. It was just like, oh, just go all white, all black uniforms. Call it a day. I, that's it. I think Wash if I recall correctly, the players actually voted on those uniforms, and they were the ones that chose them, which this, this just proves why the players shouldn't vote for yeah, you know, well, all-star teams. Fine. Stuff like they that. Can't, they can't even get the jerseys right. But yeah, I mean, the, the black ones, to your point, you know what the black ones reminded me of? Do you remember back at the millennial, the Millennium Orioles? You know, yeah, like when yeah. Albert Bell was here. Correct. Oh, but awesome. I, I, the the old cutoff sleeves. Right. We've seen that a few times this year with the cutoff sleeves in some yeah. of the teams. I love that. I think it's, I think it's awesome. They had the name spelled vertically instead of horizontally. Next, exactly. Next to the numbers. Exactly. I that. Exactly. But I, I like the look of them. I would have loved to have seen the vest style. I think those would look really cool. Uh, but to Brian's point, the the white. Not only the white and you couldn't see anything, but do you know how annoying it is for the away team to be wearing white to me? Yeah, no, I get that. That's that's what across, and then and then you get the pitchers wearing the black hat, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, what the hell is going on? It was total. I chaos thought out I there, thought man. they looked cool. So, I would I would buy one of those. Just so you know, I you know how much of a traditionalist and a little bit of a purist I am, right? Do you know it's actually in MLB rules that you have to be in the same uniform? So the fact that the pitchers, if it came down to it, other teams could protest against that because they were not wearing the same uniform. I get why they wore the black hat. If you don't know why they wore the black hat, it's because of the release point of the ball coming out from behind the head. Hmm. A white ball, white hat. It does not work. Players would complain. I I get that. But the whole point of it to me was... You don't just you just don't go white then, because now he's out of uniform. Technically, if a team wanted to protest the game, they protest it. It's up to the MLB; they should win it. But as far as that's concerned, I, I like the black. I think it it reminded me back of the millennial jerseys. Yeah. I would have liked to see a throwback to those. I would like to see a throwback to those at some point. Right? Uh, you know, maybe next year, twenty years, kind of goes by. Uh, we'll we'll kind of see what happens there. Well, well, let's start talking a little bit about the future, right? So we talked a little bit about some guys last week, but there was one big player that I didn't get to mention, and we're going to get to that because there's a lot 
going on to be excited about with this team. Forget the record for a minute. Forget the wins and losses that they've they haven't they haven't had this year. That they've they've looked like crap out on the field at times. Again, if you're truly a fan of the Orioles, you'll understand the bigger picture with this thing. Mike Elias ended up having to let 11 members of the front office and scouting department go. First thoughts on this, Scott? I was surprised that it happened at the time that it did. But good for Mike Elias because I was tired of these guys staying. I didn't understand why that didn't happen at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, you were you were trying to clean staff, and I get, you know, you were maybe you were trying to see and evaluate what guys could do and That's things like exactly that. But it. but my Here's my thing to that and where I'm going to say, and I, I want to tag him when, in the video when I do this, Michael Elias, I think you were wrong. You should have done this from the get-go. Not that you've wasted a season of scouting, but you should have brought your guys in from the get-go. We know scouting from our perspective as, as fans, as, as I'll call us, the three of us, more than avid fans. Right. From a, a scouting perspective, we have never really truly hit the mark right and when we do start to hit the mark then our farm system becomes the problem so for me you should have done the overall from the beginning mike you really should have man waiting till august the end of august nonetheless to make 11 cuts which is when you read the names off it was pretty much the entire scouting staff so they're scouting down the drain for literally a year yeah, I mean, I get that, but I'm on the other side of it, right? So you got a new guy coming into a completely new situation, doesn't know any of these guys from Adam. You can read everything that you want to read about these guys, but until you give them direction and until you can evaluate for yourself what you truly have, because two two people are going to see things two totally different ways, right? It's just as if you were a manager at a job, right? Just because sales aren't there doesn't necessarily mean that your sales staff is bad. It could just mean your leadership and your management style was bad, right? So they replaced that. They replaced the leader of the pack. So just because they replaced the leader of the pack doesn't mean that all the scouts and everybody that were out there were bad. So you have to kind of evaluate what you have. He did that in year one, and now he's making the changes that he needs to. Ultimately, just because he came in here as a new guy, as a new face, doesn't mean that he had an entire staff of other guys willing to come here or that right. were in the wings waiting. So he might not have been able to just make that transition, like you're saying, clean house and start fresh right from the get-go. You gotta build those relationships. You gotta find the right guys. You gotta court the right guys. Because let's let's be honest, the Who Orioles really right, right they're really not yeah. an attractive right, organization to come to right I now. I see where you're going with this. My only thing was, you know, there's real easy ways that a guy like Mike Elias I, Mike Elias is a freaking genius. Him and Sig, I tell mm -hmm. you what. But that's where I, I baffle because there's questions. That, there's guys that you, as Michael Elias and Sig, there's guys that were on the two of their radar, period. These are guys that are on their radar. I don't care what level they're playing at. Right. High school, college, they're already in the minors. They're in the independent league. They're on your radar. It's real easy to talk to your scouts and go, who's on your radar? And if they aren't naming the same names that you're, you have in your mind... It's not the leadership at that point. 
It's the guy. It is the scout. No, it's the scout at that point because the scout's not looking at the same talent that you are. And if they're on the complete, maybe they weren't. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they weren't on the complete. Let me ask you this. Spectrum. Let me ask you this. Right. If a manager tells you to do something, your boss tells you to do something. Right. Even if you don't necessarily think it's the best plan or you don't think it's the best way to go, you do what your manager told you. Right. So if you've got a plethora of scouts out there that are be, being given the wrong direction or being given the wrong tasks, but maybe these scouts don't necessarily agree with it, but what? They're getting paid to do a job that their manager's asking them to do, so they're doing it, right? So Mike comes in and says, all right, I'm giving these guys new direction. Here's what I'm going to have. I'm going to assign them to these locations. I'm going to have them doing these tasks. And then at the end of the year, if they're not doing them up to par, up to snuff as to where I want them, then yeah, we make that evaluation But change. I guess that's where I think a little bit different because as a leader, I would go in and say to each one of them exactly what I said. Who's on your radar? Where do you think? Regardless of what you've been doing, it's re that's really that's an easy conversation. Regardless yeah. of what you've been doing. I see both sides of it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's my point of it is I feel like it, it's... I'm not going to say... I, I keep saying it, you're wasted... It, it's not necessarily potentially. I, I don't. We don't know the backstory. My thing is, is just you had to have known six months ago that you were going to let you ha, you you didn't have a good feeling about these guys, right? You don't just go. Ah, I'm going to wake up today and go. See, yeah, I don't like what you guys are doing anymore. All right. Well, let's shift the gears a little bit. I, like I said, I understand both yeah. arguments. Let's talk about some young guys that are making a good impression, that are doing good things, and some guys that you can hang your hat on and get excited about in Birdland. So we'll kind of go through the ranks here. Obviously, we talked a little bit about it last week. Hunter Harvey comes up, makes his Major League debut. Hitting 99 and 100 consistently on the gun. Has been lights out. Has been lights out since he's gotten this opportunity. And I just want to ask a quick question. We don't need to go into depth with this because we're getting close on time here. But Hunter Harvey, do you commit to him as a future bullpen arm potential closer based on what you've seen so far, or do you go into camp next year into spring training and try to stretch him out and make him a starter again? No, he's my closer of the future. 100% agree. 100% agree. The guy's throwing 99 miles an hour. You can't, you can't ignore that when he's in there. He's lights out. You'd maybe develop another pitch with him uh, or, or help him refine a pitch that he already has. But yeah, you can't you can't get away from and that. And to that point, I mean, we've talked about it at nauseum, especially in the beginning of the year, the inconsistencies with Michael Givens and how important the closing role is. Yeah. How many leads have we given up late in games this year because we didn't have that shutdown guy in the back end of the bullpen? Harvey's that guy. Put Givens, Harvey can be that guy. Put Givens back in the eighth and put Harvey in the ninth. Right. I'm I'm all for that. I don't and, and you know what's great about it too is Hunter Harvey has voiced his opinion and said he's happy in the closing role and he's happy in the bullpen. So he's not screaming at the guy saying, Hey, I want to be a starter. I sit out near the bullpen. Dude's like laughing, having a good time with that bullpen. Right. He, he's enjoying it. All right. So let's go down a level. We'll go down to triple a and another guy to be excited about down there. Ryan Mountcastle. We've been talking about him a lot this year. He's been putting up numbers. Well, he gets the recognition as he was named the international league MVP Deservedly so with some of these numbers that you've yeah. seen out of him. You know, he's 308, 25 home runs. You know, 80 RBIs through 121 games is pretty good. And he leads the league with 153 hits and 262 total bases. Yeah. So those are not bad numbers. Here's my question to you. Simple yes or no. Does he come up by September? Yes. Okay. Yes. They. They. I think they want to evaluate 
what they have and what he looks like against some major league pitching going into next year so they have an idea of what to work on come spring training. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. There's one other guy we got to move down a level. Because uh, move down a couple levels from AAA. <laughs> He's in Delmarva oh, yes, now yes. as first-round draft pick, Adley Rutschman. We got to see him at Aberdeen. I went out there for the first game, went 0 for 5. <laughs> Maybe a little nervous or whatnot, but I'll tell you what. It was all for a... <laughs> it could have been. Maybe it was. Because I tell you, since I left and I wasn't there, he's been hitting the cover off the ball in Aberdeen. These numbers, like you said, to, that he's been putting up, in a 10-game streak, he was hitting 462 with six doubles, a triple, and a home run, and 14 RBIs in 10 games. Producer producer yeah this is everything that you this he's what you want to hear about he's such a producer he's taken over for brian ouch <laughs> <laughs> burn but he gets the bump as he goes up to delmarva uh and so far it's it's been a learning curve there in delmarva he's thrown out a couple runners which has been good yes uh catching wise i think this guy is 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 we've said we said we said when he came into the organization he was the best defensive catcher we had day one. Day one. Day one 100%. And it just goes to show you what he's been doing. All right, Brian, it's time for the social media shout out. Who's been out there? It's getting late. So let's got? give it up to James, Kamal, Jessica, Zach, Samuel, Garnett, Sherry, Chrissy, and Steve. All so right. All right. apparently we had already talked about it, but apparently Jessica Blake was thinking that I've kind of gone a little heavy-handed with the drinks today. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm it, stumbling just, over words it's and just, slurring. It's, it's just happenstance. I get the new I get the new title, and apparently everybody is kind of... Yeah, there you go. Here, you want one for Fred as well. Here, oh, Jesus. That was for Fred. That was for Fred. Do I really Do I really need any more yes, at this yes, point? Yes, you do. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so just a couple comments out there. Everybody agreed with, with kind of the picture we're looking at for the Ravens, talking about who you think was going to get cut. Um, but, uh, and also you guys are talking about Ted, um, Tim Williams. I almost said Ted Williams. Wow. Totally <laughs> different sport. Apparently I've been drinking too. <laughs> and his, and, and honestly, do you, and just to rehash, do you guys, th- you guys thought he was going to have a breakout year this year? I think he's in for, Fred does. I, I don't, I don't want to say he's in for a breakout year. This is a make or break year for him. He's in for the most exposure and he's in for the most playing time that he's ever had in his career this year just due to circumstance because there's nobody else there to fill the role. Do you think he makes the most of that? Simple answer, yes or no? I'll say no. I I don't. I I don't believe in Tim Williams. Okay. So, and the last question I have... Hang on, I gotta find out where it's. Uh, did you see how much the Eagles were playing off Hollywood Brown? I did. It, it, that is astonishing. You know that's, what? That's and we didn't, we didn't talk about this at all because Hollywood obviously got his first exposure uh, in game action in this Eagles game, and I, I didn't really know what to expect from him because I figured he'd probably be out there for a couple plays, and he wasn't out there a whole lot. But the plays that he was out there for, he showed me the ability to be more of a complete receiver than just a one-trick pony, yeah. which is what I'm really excited about. This guy can run the routes. He can, you know, he can make people miss. Again, we all know about the speed and what he is in a straight line, but this guy knows the route tree, and he's got good hands. A lot, to, uh, and he's got good foot control. There's a lot to like about this kid. Well, and to your point with that, I think it was Steve that, that had commented. Samuel, used, or, yeah, Steve, well, his, his name's name Steve. Steve. Oh, is it? So, yeah. So, so you know, yeah, he I actually, the... I actually, I actually posted the picture this weekend of how he says he got his name. 
uh, where it's the two guys where it's Samuel and then it's L. Jackson yeah. sitting next to each oh, other. Geez. He's like, that's how I got it. Uh, his, <laughs> uh, his YouTube handle. Um, but no, he used the hashtag respect. And really, when you get a guy like that, you have a team playing that far off of him. That's exactly what that is. That is respect all day long. All right, guys, it's time for some Terps talk, some turtle talk, and I'm getting excited, man. It's Saturday. The season kicks off Saturday against Howard. Well, we got to make a cheers because there was an announcement this week for them. That's right. A cheers to Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson. Being named QB1. QB1. Way to go, Josh. That's right. As Locks makes that announcement this week, uh, he said that Jackson won the job after an extremely tight camp battle with, with Piggy. Which is great to hear out of out of him to finally kind of say because we've heard him kind of talk and say yeah they're they're both doing well da, da. this is the first time we've said we've heard him say and he said this was a full on battle right and it was I mean Piggy has shown much improvement over where he was last year I think the biggest thing that they had a concern about with him was some of his accuracy right. uh, and his ability to throw from the pro- pocket. Josh Jackson's more of the prototypical size quarterback, what you would see from a, you know, a typical quarterback. But there's a lot to like about this kid, and there's a lot that everybody on this team seems to like. Anthony McFarland and a lot of guys have publicly talked about how much better Josh Jackson makes this offense and how much better he makes this team. And what I've seen in some of the videos watching this kid, his accuracy, his ability to be able to throw the ball deep, accurate, that's huge. That's it's- huge. And – what I really like about him is that I think he's got the tendency. He's when you look at him size wise, you wouldn't think he'd be a real mobile quarterback. I don't want to say he's got a Cam Newton build because he's not as strong as right. Cam Newton, but he's got that power rush ability, that north and south style running that he's, I really like about him. He's comfortable in the pocket, but if he needs to move, he can move and move in the right way. And he can move north and south with power right. versus trying to beat everybody around the edge with speed, uh, which you don't really see from a whole lot of quarterbacks outside of a Cam Newton type of quarterback. Yeah, and that's, you know, a la that is that is dangerous. That's a dangerous way to go. It, yeah. it's, it can cause some injury-prone uh, issues and you know wind up getting some stingers things like that so it's definitely something to watch out for kind of sticking along the QB front for Maryland we cannot go without talking about former now Maryland QB Kasim Hill as his transfer to Tennessee goes through this week yeah I mean look I, I wish the kid nothing but the best you know I mean he he had some injuries here. He had high expectations here. He didn't live up to the expectations here. I don't think he was the best fit for this Loxley style of offense. So he was kind of the odd man out. So he goes to a you know a, a school like Tennessee where maybe he'll get a chance to shine there, and hopefully he does big things. I mean, I, you know, there's nothing to dislike about this kid. No. And I don't blame him one bit for wanting to go to another school well, where he can actually play. And I don't blame, I don't blame the Terps either in the fact that they, they weren't necessarily giving him a full look. Did, do I trust locks enough that he probably gave him a look? Yeah. Right. But they weren't giving him a full look because guys coming off an ACL tear. So when you have a guy coming off an ACL tear, there's still, he's still unproven coming back from an, a severe injury. Right. What you could get him out there and in one serious play, him just move the wrong way. 
and boom, there goes that same ACL, or boom, there goes the other ACL because he's having to put the pressure on that leg. Right. So that's always the issue when it comes to guys coming off ACL tears, much less a quarterback coming off an ACL tear. Yeah, and again... We've seen that same thing in the NFL. Again, his style just doesn't add up to Mike Loxley's offense. I think Justin Jackson is definitely the better fit, and I think we'll see, as the season goes on, we may see... I don't want to say a two-quarter... You said Justin. All right, yeah, Josh Jackson. We've had so many Justin Jacksons through the Maryland program, just used to it. The Josh Jackson. I think we will see some potential plays for Terrell Pigram, even in this Howard game. I don't, you know, even though Jackson's been named as the starter, I do see packages where Pigram will come in. We talked about this. We talked about some potential packages that could involve both quarterbacks, you know, could involve a little bit of deceit. So I think it's definitely it's going to be interesting to see you know what what approach they take with this. So ESPN put out this article this week, and they were talking about some former Terps and the all time all ACC list. And there were some I did names. See this. Yeah, there were some names that were kind of interesting for me that uh, didn't make this list, and then some names that I thought rightfully so made this list. As longtime Terp defensive tackle Randy Randy White. Named to their all-time All-ACC team. Right. When you look at White, too, it was a 74 team that he went through, yep. uh, and he won the, the they won the Outland Trophy, and they won the Lombardi Award, and he finished with 24 tackles for a loss that season, including 12 sacks. That's huge. And in the ACC, much less, during that time period, that was way above and beyond. 12 sacks nowadays is huge. So it, to be able to put up those numbers back then. But I would say even during that, it's yes, it's hard now. It was even, in my opinion, it was even harder back then. Right. Uh, so you had a lot more, you know, a lot more stronger de- offensive linemen. You know, defensive linemen weren't as, uh, you know, prevalent during that time period. So when you had them, a guy that could go that because they weren't prevalent, if he could beat the offensive line that many times. Right. That was impressive. Now, another guy that made the squad, he, now he made the second team squad, is a guy that I was a big fan of. And to me, is one of the best def- or is the best defensive terp that I've ever seen in my era and that was linebacker EJ Henderson. Yes. This guy, yes. I mean, he was as as good as it gets from the linebacker position as a terp. Um, you know, obviously he had his brother come in there, Aaron, so you know, it's a genetic thing, these you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a family thing. Um, EJ was an elite linebacker, and rightfully so, to be on the second team. Yeah, agreed. And then the last guy that they added onto this list was uh, actually the center, uh, Bob Pellegrini. He was named a second team all offense on that. Uh, you know, former center did well. I forget what era he was in. Honestly, I, I know I the name, but I don't know much about it. Yeah, I, I same here. Ryan could probably chime in oh, and probably. be able to tell us exactly who <laughs> this guy is. But he's in Aruba, right? Yeah, he's he's out there in Aruba, enjoying the finer things in life. Exactly. But hey, on the basketball side, I know we haven't really talked much basketball lately, just because there really hasn't been a whole lot to talk about. We've kind of been at nauseum with what we expect from this team, and you know who's on the roster. It's time to wait for winter. Yeah. <laughs> the one big question mark about all the recruits coming in this year was. Chol Muriel. Was yeah. he going to come to campus? Was he going to be a part of this team? Obviously, he had the injury history you know, in high school, so there was a lot to be worried about there. Well, I made the announcement last week on the show that he was on campus. He was on campus, and I was excited about it. And all the reports and interviews that he had done, he had talked about playing full games and being 100%. And, you know, you start getting amped up. Like, this dude could be a huge addition to this team this year right now 
Well, reports come out today that he's going to be out for the next four to five months as he's going to go double surgery and end up having some surgery done to fix fix stress fractures in both legs. This is that puts him out for I think for, I think they said four to five months, right? Four to five months. So not okay. quite the entire season, but you know, that's so he's not, available January ish. Well, and that's maybe. if everything goes as planned, right. if he rehabs good and all of that. You know, a guy of that size, I can't imagine the rehab is is easy, especially on two legs like that, both of his legs. I don't know where the stress factors are, so I'm not going to jump to any I'm imagining it's in his shin. That, that's, that's kind of where I was thinking. That's where he's had all the issues in high school, and I think it's just been something that he's just progressively it's gotten worse and worse and worse, and he just hasn't done anything about it other than staying off. I would assume that if, if it's if it's becoming that much of an issue that it's probably closer to the ankle than the knee. Right um, on the on the shin, so Could that'll be. be one thing that we'll have to find out as kind of details come out surrounding the surgery and things like that. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be a huge loss for them. We were expecting this guy to be a dominant force from the get go. Now, I will say this: I still think that this team is ultimately at the end of the year a top twenty five team, regardless whether they have Chol Mario or not. I still think, even re- really, if they play to their ability, I think they're a top fifteen team even without Chol. So getting him. Later in the year, you know, come ACC tournament, come NCAA tournament is going to be a huge addition. And not just on size, just an ability. It'll also be able to take a little bit of the stress off of Sticks, who you seen him lately? Yeah, he's put on some serious muscle. He's put on some serious weight. This is exactly good. It's exactly what you want. It's exactly what we kept saying last year was, man, this guy has the ability. The one thing he gets knocked on is his ability to play strong down low against some of the bigger guys. The only way you improve by, uh, improve that is putting on weight and getting into the weight room and he's done that. We said year. it from the get-go after the ACC or I'm sorry, after the uh the March Madness tournament that he there were, we saw a different sticks in the yeah. tournament. And I think he recognized that. For sure. And I think he he he's showing he's going to work and he it, I'm going to call it now. He could be a top 10 draft pick depending on how he plays. Yeah, for sure. He's seeing that NBA money. All right, Scott. So it's time for this week's Good, Bad, and Ugly. Hey, this is fun. <laughs> I, you actually you put this into the notes as to what this was. So I, I had to go online and Google search it to find the video. Did you laugh your ass off? Hilarious. <laughs> so Absolutely The hilarious. good story for this week involves the Padres. The oh, Padres, great. they rickrolled. The Red Sox fans. Red Sox fans turned out in San Diego like crazy. Right. Did you see how many fans were in that stadium? There were a lot of fans. There the Red were... Sox, I will say this as much as I hate they the Red well. Sox. They travel really well. It doesn't matter where it is. But you know what this reminded me of? You know how like when the, the I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I'm sure you have being a season ticket holder. But when the Red Sox come to town <laughs> and they do the crab shuffle and they literally move one crab for the Boston fans, like that's they do what, it for the Boston the Yankee fans, right? Yeah. Just let's dumb it down for the Boston fans and the Yankee fans. It's great. This was epic. Yeah, it was. It was great because when they they start playing Sweet Caroline, which if you don't know, if you're not a baseball fan, Fenway they play it every game during the seventh just inning like stretch. we play you know um thank country, god i'm a country boy exactly john dever yep. so they they play that and the the they show the red sox fans starting to sing along to sweet caroline everybody the same starts 
And then all of a sudden they hit the chorus and it cuts to a Rickroll. Oh, uh, it was great. It was beautiful. And then they show the, the, the fans and they're like, so ah, ah, never gonna what are you, you doing? Uh, like, it was, never going to uh, leave you now. Oh, it was great. <laughs> it, was, it was perfect. I remember. Because I, it was Red fa- Red Sox fans, that's what made it the good story. I, I remember like when that all was going around. Like you'd click on a video on uh, Facebook, yeah. and you'd, you'd be getting all into the video, Before and then all of a sudden, Facebook. boop! Are you kidding me? Or it might have been MySpace. Well, I don't I mean, know what it was, it was back then. Yeah, it was early 2000s. It was like when like YouTube and all that stuff uh-huh. had first got its thing, and oh, you man, just got Rickroll. Well, what what Hilarious. really started that was back when MySpace was around. Right. When they first started yeah. the videos on MySpace, it was they'd start the video and then it would roll into a Rickroll. Oh my god. There you go. It, it was hilarious. <laughs> I loved it. So the bad story. What's your bad? So this week's bad story, and this could be bad, ugly, ugliest. This could and be we're everything. gonna get we're gonna get more into this into the after show too. Yeah, we're gonna talk about this more in the after show. So I'll be kind of quick because I know everybody's got their own opinions on it, but obviously the big announcement this week nationally was the surprise announcement of Andrew Luck announcing his retirement. And what upsets me the most about this entire thing was the way Colts fans reacted. You know, for for all these years when the Colts left the town and all that and they went to Indy, I never had hatred towards Indy fans because it's not the fans' fault. It's the owner's fault for being a money-hungry right. bastard. Well, now my take on the Indianapolis fans is a little different. For them to actually boo a guy who came in and really seamlessly took over for a living legend – in Peyton Manning, <laughs> yeah. seamlessly, and did everything he possibly could for that organization. Now, granted, literally the, put his body on the line. The injuries suck, and it sucks when you invest all this time and all this money into a team and their best player. The one position, we talk about this on the show a lot, the one position, the quarterback, that means so much to a football squad goes down. But remember, when you're talking about these guys, they are human beings, just like you and I, right? So these guys are going through these injuries. I don't care about the money. None of that matters. Like, they're going through these injuries just like you and I go through injuries. they got to go through all these rehab and everything. And the mental toll that that's got to take on you as a player to, for four years, for four years, battling injuries and battling rehabs and coming back and playing and going back on the injured list. I mean, it's just the mental toll that that's got to take on you. I can only imagine how he feels. Yeah. Financially, this guy is as set as he could ever be. Well, especially considering that they did, they, the, the Colts announced that they were not going, they were going to let him keep the $24 million they gave it, but technically he owes them. Right. They're letting him keep it. Yeah. And you know, Kudos to the Colts organization for being able to do that. But my thing with this whole thing is it's just they slashed from what reports I've heard, they slashed his tires. I did hear that one. After that's, the that's, game. That's, like, if you want to boo the guy in the stadium, I, I don't agree with it, but I get it. Like, I, I kind of get it. It's an initial gut reaction. Your your quarterback's leaving you. You don't understand why he's just retiring out of nowhere. I Like, I get it. He hadn't made a statement at that point. He hadn't. I kind of get it to an extent. Do I, I agree with it? it? Do I agree with it? No. Do I can I can I see the perspective? You don't have all the facts, and you're just going. This guy's straight out leaving us. I get it. You should really keep Andrew Luck's like mindset in the background because he's never been that type of guy. Just saying, he could have left you a long time ago for a lot more money, and he didn't. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Sickening there. The slashing the tires. The whole thing. Uh, they didn't. 
you didn't see it, but there was somebody that throw threw something at him as he walked off the field. Uh, you know, just just ridiculous, sickening. I agree with you. I, I, this one sucked. Yeah. But there was a story that hits home. Yeah. A little too hard. For you Cap fans out there, and, you know, we talk about the Caps when the season comes around and when they start getting closer to the playoffs and that kind of thing. Uh, but their young superstar, Koozie. Man, dude gets lit and suspended by the IHF for testing positive for cocaine. Cocaine. Yeah, that's bad. Like uh, how there were videos going around about him a couple months ago. I think it was after it might have been um, videos after the Stanley Cup of him being around a bunch of like white substances. And, you know, he kind of downplayed it and said, oh, no, it wasn't anything to worry about. Well, then this report comes out. Look, it's it's ugly because obviously he gets suspended for four years, like you said, from international play. The NHL is still kind of investigating and figuring out what they're going to do about it. Um but I think my bigger concern here is this dude's got a problem and he needs help. And I hope that he gets the help that he needs. This was, I kind of feel almost the same way about him that I'm sure a lot of Mets fans felt about like Daryl Strawberry and all the struggles that he had with drugs and whatnot drugs. It's, it's a terrible thing. I think that obviously he made a bad choice and even experimenting with it. But when you get to a certain point, you become addicted. So and addiction gonna, is something you need help with. I'm going to ask you straight up, yes or no question. Do you think this is a result of the hangover of the Stanley Cup win? No, I think this guy. No? No, I think it's the lifestyle. I think it's the money. I think it's I think it's a lot of things. You know, this guy came over from Russia. These guys were partying pretty damn hard. Oh, of course. I think that shit was going if on. I, I was going to say, but if I'm being honest, do I think he got hooked at that time? Yeah. Oh, no, no. I think the guy had the problem long before then. Really? I think the partying, well, I mean, that, that was what was made public. That's where those videos came from, and that's where we kind of started to, to realize, holy shit, this dude might actually have a problem. So I think that that, yes, it was part of it, but I think this guy, this guy has issues that are deeper rooted. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. It's been one of those days. It's been one of those days. How's this, how's this show sound for you? Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds real good. We got to do the two-minute warning first. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) And now, it's time for the two-minute warning. (laughs) All right, Fred. Hold on. Bear with me. I'm scrolling Oh, man. This show is bad, but it's good. Don't hit yet. Don't hit yet. I, I, I'm getting there. Oh, and well, he's back at the Orioles. What's Jesus. this? Jesus. Yeah. We're all. Wow. This is a shit show today. We are <laughs> having too much right, fun. I'm back where I was. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh, man. Whew. Well, for this week, it is your turn for the two-minute warning. Uh, you've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. You've got seven. If you get, If you get through six... Tell you what, if you get through five, because these are a, little, a few of these are a little long. Yeah, they are pretty long. If you get through five, I'll do a shot in the after hours. All right, I'm going for it's it. It's on the wager, bartender. I'll get you prepared. <laughs> All right, ready? Your time starts. Meow. Houston Texans star Jadavian Clowney, who has still yet to sign his franchise tag and has been rumored for weeks about potential trade destination, has fired his agent, Bus Cook. Reports state that he hasn't been happy with the talks of his future and wants better representation. 
Some close to the situation say he has an interest in the Eagles and Seahawks. Sorry, Ravens fans. Doesn't look like it's guys in our future. In some disturbing NBA news, Los Angeles Laker DeMarcus Cousins allegedly threatened to shoot the mother of his child in the head when she said she wouldn't allow her son to attend his wedding over the weekend. TMZ Sports leaked out audio of the alleged altercation, and the Lakers have since released a statement. What the hell is wrong with some of these athletes? Things like this, I'll just never understand. It's your move, NBA. Hopefully you can get this one right, unlike the NFL. For you couple of Redskins fans that are out there, you're going to have to wait a minute. To, <laughs> couple of Redskins fans. A couple of them. You have to wait a couple of minutes to see your quarterback of the future. Case Keenum was named the starter for their week one matchup with the Eagles over former Heisman candidate Dwayne Haskins. Maybe they learned something with rushing a player a la RG3. We'll see. Louisiana wins its first ever Little League World Series as the East Bank All-Stars from River Ridge, River Ridge, River Ridge shuts out Caraco <laughs> eight to nothing. It's always fun to watch the pure joy in these kids' faces as they win something they worked so hard for. I love watching the Little League World it's Series. It's so see. fun. Have you ever heard someone say, you got a better chance of being struck by lightning? Well, tell that to the six people who are recovering from injuries as lightning struck during a weather delay at the FedEx Cup in Atlanta over the weekend. If you haven't seen the video on this, go YouTube that. It was incredible. It's crazy to see. Some seriously scary stuff. U.S. Women's National Soccer Team star Carly Lloyd, if you remember from our story last week, was at Ravens camp kicking 55-yard field goals with Justin Tucker. Well, some other NFL teams have noticed as reports state that she's been offered a shot at kicking during the final week of the preseason. Uh, you got there. through five and a half. I owe wow, you a shot, impressive. my friend. Five. Yeah, five that and was half. impressive. By, by the way, was that YouTube? How did you, how did you say that? I don't he know. started to say Google <laughs> and then he went YouTube. <laughs> Google tube. <laughs> hysterical. <laughs> no, I don't. We just oh, looking at each other like, what the hell Jesus was that? Christ. Oh, <laughs> man. How does this stuff sound this week, man? Oh, man. Things sound <laughs> good as always. <laughs> what a setup for this. We want to take a second to thank the good people over at Sound United, the parent company of Polk Audio, Definitive Technology, Denon, Marantz, and Classe for sending us these attractive Denon AHD. D5200 headphones. (laughs) Denon makes some of the most popular AV receivers, but man, do they know headphones too. These premium headphones sport ear cups made of real zebra wood, an exotic tone wood used on high-end acoustic guitars. This lends the AH-D5200s a naturally warm, musical sound. You'll find Denon's free-edge drivers under the hood, a shining example of Japanese headphone engineering. Large dynamic drivers are suspended within a baffle system that lowers resonance. The drivers deliver healthy mids, smooth highs, and tight, potent bass. Just let your ears sink into the plush blended leather padding and enjoy music like never before. All right, Scott, get us the hell out of here. (laughs) Apparently, I need to go to sleep. (laughs) You need to go to bed, man. Jesus. Be sure to check us out on www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, you can check out all of our episodes, learn about each of us. You can contact us and get yourself some Birdland BS gear. We're always wearing this stuff. Make sure you check us out on Big Play, bigplay.com, the Big Play Twitter page, and download that Big Play app. Uh, I think they got it finally working all together. It should be. (laughs) Uh, Follow us on Birdland on all of our social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, at Birdland BS is how you find us. Twitter, at FredBLBS, at ScottBLBS. And now at bartender underscore Blake over there as he gets yeah, the promotion. Baby. <laughs> if you want to have your opinion or topic heard on the show, make sure you use that hashtag. That's BLBS. Your comments may come up on the show each week. 
Make sure if you want to listen to us on the audio version of the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, any podcast of your app, app of your choice, we are there. As always, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back next week. You know the time, 8.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You know the place, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Check us out for Fred, myself, and bartender Brian over there now. We'll see you guys next week. What a shit show. We'll see you. <laughs> <laughs>